Well, good morning. Was it a beautiful week in Michigan or what? Wonderful. The Lord blesses us in so many different ways. Enjoy it now. I think it does change. I've been here long enough to know that. But uh, we are blessed as we enjoy all the uh, beauty of God's creation, but we also get to gather uh, today as the body of Christ and to enjoy time uh, of worship. And uh, if you are visiting with us, we are so glad that you're here. Uh, We would love uh, to get to know you better, and uh, some of the ways that we uh, do that is if you let us know that you were here, and that's just by texting the word welcome to the number that's on the screen, uh, or you can take the uh, piece of paper, there's a connect card that's in the seat pocket in front of you, and if you fill it out, just put it in the offering plate, it just gives us the awareness that you were here, helps us to know uh, that we can reach out to you and, and just try to get you connected a little bit uh, in the church, and uh, after the service, we have a coffee time, you can meet a few other people. Uh, introduce yourself, help us to uh, know who you are, and we'd love to make you feel welcome here at Redeemer. Uh, There's quite a number of things that are launching this coming week. Uh, We have our uh, Sunday School, which Pastor Dan's going to talk about more. There's an inquirer's class that's meeting in uh, Pastor Jeff's office. If you have been here for a little while, you've been thinking about, you know, I think we're ready to take that next step and see what membership is like uh, for those that are at Redeemer, and we want to learn more about that, please come to that class today, uh, just down the hall on the right in Jeff's office, and uh, um, all the other things that are starting, just look in the bulletin, look in Redeemer Life, and, and see what's, what's there. Uh, two more announcements, one uh, from Greta and one from Pastor Dan. But I wanted to explain it to you because there's a few gals that have had a little trouble with the QR code and trying to get onto the link that holds the sign-up genius, whatever that thing is. And I have difficulty too, so I'm not techno-savvy. So I understand that. So if you have difficulty with the QR code or trying to get the link, give me a call. Uh, My phone number is everywhere, so just find it. Give me a call and let me know that you want to come. So how it is, we have three dates. We cover a Saturday, a Thursday and a Friday night because we want to try open this up for as many women as we can. So the first date is a Saturday brunch uh, at 10 o'clock on October 14, and I have to have my pocket calendar in front of me. The next date is a Friday, October 20, and that would be at 6 o'clock. And then the other one is Thursday, the 26th of October. So the person, and we're asking for, for hostesses that would host the dinner. The host is responsible for the main dish, and then all those that come will bring a side or whatever. And the hostess determines what she's going to bring and, or what she's going to make. So um, give me a call. Go up to Sign Up Genius. It's a lot of fun. You meet people in a very relaxed setting, um, enjoying a meal together. So it's Saturday the 14th, Friday the 20th, or Thursday the 26th of October. So give me a call if you just want to forgo all that sign-up junk, and I can understand that. Those younger people that are techno-savvy go on the sign-up genius. Anyway, we'd love to spend time with you. Thank you. All right, and I get last announcement. Uh, and this is about our Sunday school program, which is starting up this week. Uh, every year we try to give a little bit of orientation, especially if you've been visiting and you're not sure what's going on. If you uh, started in the summer, uh, you may not be sure where your kids go. Uh, so uh, the, 
the time will start with children singing, so after the service is over, uh, I'm going to come up here and invite uh, kids to come forward. I'm going to ask if, uh, if you would like to stay and listen, please do. Uh, if you're not going to stay and, and listen, I uh, would encourage you to go to uh, into the fellowship hall that uh, you could enjoy a conversation and some cookies uh, following the service. Uh, so I'll give a reminder about that. But uh, kids, uh, fifth grade and younger, uh, should come up here for singing. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll have a time of, of practicing some uh, favorite uh, songs, and then uh, teachers for those grades will lead the kids back at eleven o'clock. The bell will be rung, and that'll indicate that adult Sunday school is starting, as well as uh, the children's Sunday school. If if nobody's down there yet, that they should start making their way back there. Uh, so middle school and high school. Uh, the bell will ring again at, uh, at about 11.40, uh, and that'll indicate that, that parents should go pick up their children. Uh, that way we make the, the transition really smooth uh, so the teachers can go home and enjoy lunch as well. Uh, just just uh, two uh, other things. The first is, is that before uh, the service on Sunday mornings, if you can uh, keep your kids from going back into the hallway. Teachers will have rooms set up in different ways. That allows us to keep the classrooms uh, clean and organized so the teachers uh, know what they're walking into uh, on a Sunday morning. The other thing is, is, is that if you have yet to receive one of these long story short devotionals, uh, these are free for any family who has their children in the Sunday school. This is a week of devotions each week that corresponds to the lessons that are covered in Sunday school. You'll also be getting now a a parent page uh, that'll remind you of what has been covered and also uh, what the memory work is for that uh, particular month. Uh, So those those are, I think, all of the details uh, you need to know. Uh, There's also going to be a a parenting class, uh, Wise and Intentional Parenting, uh, taught by uh, Dave Langnerak and myself. Uh, that's going to be meeting here at 11. Uh, so we'd love to have you there. If you're a parent, if you're considering being a parent, or if you uh, are a grandparent or would like to know how to encourage parents. Uh, so I think that hits about everybody. Uh, we would love to have you uh, there from 11 to 1140. Uh, those are all my announcements. Let's take a moment and prepare to worship our God. The body of Christ is diverse, and we are very blessed uh, by the differences uh, that we enjoy, but uh, it also may tempt me uh, to look down on those that are not like me. That temptation comes to every one of us, and yet uh, for us to uh, worship well, we need humility. For us to be able to uh, grow in Christ-likeness, we need 
humility. And the Lord uh, calls us to worship from 1 Peter chapter 5, saying, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Well, let us join our hearts together as we stand to worship only a holy God.
Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to be called to worship you, our holy God, the one who has revealed himself through creation by the things that you have made. You have revealed yourself uh, by pouring out your revelation through your prophets. You have revealed yourself uh, in the last time by your one and only Son, who is God in the flesh, who lived the perfect life we failed to live, who died the death we as sinners deserve and yet also rose again from the dead, that we have confidence that sin, death, and the devil has been conquered. And by your grace, we can come with confidence into your presence. And we ask that your Spirit would do a great work of shaping us to be uh, reflecting your glory more and more in the image of Christ. We pray it in his holy name. Amen. seated. Acknowledging and singing and celebrating that truth that our Redeemer has set us free can give us that confidence that when we come to Him confessing our sins, that we can come to Him boldly, that we can come to Him with honest hearts, knowing that we can't hide anything from Him anyway. And so when we come and confess uh, to him, uh, he is at work uh, to renew that fellowship uh, with us as we have turned to the right or to the left. We are 
renewing our Ten Commandments series. We did the first four commandments uh, in the spring and doing the uh, last six uh, here in the fall. We did the uh, whole summary of the last four, uh, loving uh, the Lord your God uh, in the first part, loving your neighbor in the same way you love yourself in these last six. And so we're now on the fifth commandment, so we're going to hear Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let us confess now this truth. Who is meant by father and mother in the fifth commandment? By father and mother in the fifth commandment are meant not only natural parents, but all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as by God's ordinance are over us in a place of authority whether in family, church, or commonwealth. And so as we see, these commandments are summaries of God's law being unpacked into a variety of other um, commands that are all throughout Scripture, these threads uh, helping us to recognize our view of authority in general. And so uh, we know that as sinners we are naturally rebellious, and so there's probably a multitude of things that may come to mind when you think of what it is to rebel against authority. And so as your conscience is pricked by any of those things, let's take this moment now to confess to our God in silent prayer. Father, we are thankful for the way that you have designed us to have fathers and mothers. We thank you for revealing yourself through their love and for their provision, for their protection and their care. We also acknowledge in this fallen world that we as parents don't do everything right, that we sin, that we do things that are are not helpful, that are not protective, that are Uh, harmful in different ways, and we uh, recognize as those under authority, Lord, whether it's our parents, whether it's our uh, bosses, whether it's uh, the police or government officials, uh, whatever different authorities are in our lives and uh, the ways that we uh, balk at some of the things that we are required to do, uh, Lord, we ask that you would uh, turn our hearts uh, from that rebellion Uh, knowing that you uh, will hold even those in authority accountable, uh, that it's um, us that we are uh, called to, in humility, follow those that you've put in place, and we just ask for your grace to enable us to do that, and uh, that your Spirit would guide us to become more and more like Christ, who himself uh, submitted to the authorities uh, that you have placed, and even you as our Heavenly Father. We are grateful for that incredible example and that we would become more like him. We pray it in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. The Lord offers to us his assurance uh, of pardon from Galatians chapter 2 when the Apostle Paul declares, inspired by the Holy Spirit, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is incredible mercy. 
And as we know his promise, his mercy is new every morning. Let us sing that truth as we stand together. Please join me in a prayer of thanksgiving. Merciful God, as we have just sung, you pursued us while we were yet far off in sin. What an amazing blessing. We come before you this morning with hearts full of gratitude for this and the countless other blessings that you provide. We thank you for the opportunity this morning to gather as a family of believers to sing pray, and meditate on you. For everyone here in person or engaging with the live stream now or in the future, thank you, God, for the life you have given each of us. And may each breath we breathe be an expression of gratefulness to you. Thank you for the start of a new ministry year. We praise you for the many volunteers, seen and unseen, who use the talents to make your truths known more clearly. We are so appreciative of the ways you allow us to minister to others while also being ministered to ourselves. Thank you for your infallible word. God, you are so far beyond human comprehension. 
and yet you so graciously make yourself known through human language. We give thanks for the men who carefully and attentively expound on your word each week. And we pray that you would be with Pastor Jeff this morning as he proclaims your word in a few moments. And finally, God, thank you for this opportunity to give back to you. We pray that you find our hearts overflowing with eagerness, cheerfulness, and gratitude, and that you would guide the deacons and all those involved in the stewarding of these gifts. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, we're going to go to our Lord in prayer on behalf of each other and our community as well. Before we do that, I want to remind you of something that happened last Sunday night. If you were here in worship, you saw our witness to baptism, and you also made a promise, if you're a member of our church, 
It says, as this child is baptized into Christ and becomes a member of the visible church, the whole congregation is obligated to love her, in the case of last Sunday night, and to receive her as a member of the body of Christ. Therefore, these words addressed to the congregation, you ought to commit yourselves before God to assist the parents um, to raise these children in the Christian nurture that belongs to our Lord by godly example, prayer, and encouragement in our most precious faith. Is that not a beautiful thing to say on a baptism Sunday? And after that is read, I ask the congregation, are you willing? And we say in unison, we do. Now this morning we have the joy of actually watching how that happens. So if you were involved this morning in Sunday school, teaching, or in youth group, or in boys or girls club, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to start our congregational prayer by praying for you. Go ahead. There you go. Just note, these are teachers that the Lord has called through our church. They have been asked if they would help teach. They are, and we want to pray for you. You can be seated. I don't want to make you stand too long. That wasn't part of the deal. So let's begin by praying for them. There's one other thing I want to note for you that I'll pray for at the end of our congregational prayer this morning, and that is the World Health Organization notes that today is World Suicide Prevention Day. I sometimes note those sorts of things at the beginning of a congregational prayer. If you've been touched in your family by suicide, or if you're someone this morning who suffers with those dark thoughts, you feel as though life is not worth living, there's only frustration, difficulty, you see no hope ahead, I want to tell you you're welcome here, and the church exists to care for you. I'll be standing by the back door, and I don't promise that I can help you myself, but I will certainly find those who can help you if I'm not able to help you myself. So let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4, verse 16, the writer says that the body of Christ is built up as every part does its part. Lord, you have called us into this body that we might serve each other. This is not our church. It is not our building. It is not our people. We belong to you. You are the head of the church. Jesus Christ is our King and our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our guide. He is the one who not only cares for us, but also the one who leads us. And we are here to worship you. Above all, we have come into this space this morning to a time that is set aside so that we can honor you as Lord and King, Redeemer and Savior. That's why we're here, Lord. It is to worship. It is to give to you the recognition you deserve, to say that you're worthy and you are great. There is no God like you. In fact, there are no other gods. Every other God that we might trust in only leads to failure and disappointment, only leads to further enslavement. But with you, our true God and our true King, there is freedom and liberty and joy. And we pray this morning that that truth would be communicated not only in the sermon that I will preach in a few minutes, but also in the songs that we're singing and the thoughts that go through our minds, but also not only in worship, but in the Sunday school classes that happen afterward. For those who will be teaching the adult class and the, the children's Sunday school classes, for those who care for our children and, and train them in girls' clubs and boys' clubs, for youth group and all those who participate in that, 
There was a Sunday when these children were presented to you as Lord and King, as members of your covenant community, and you said, this one belongs to me. He or she is set aside as one in which I take special interest. And now as a church, we respond. And we say, we hear your call, Lord. And we want to love and care for these children in a way that not only is good for them, but also is a response to you. And I pray for each one of these teachers that they would sense in the work that they do that they are doing your work, that you are smiling upon them, that you are giving them encouragement, that you're giving them wisdom, that in those moments they're not quite sure what to do or to say, that you would be with them and you would direct them. And we pray for the heart of each one of the children who participates in these activities. Lord, would you be at work in them in a powerful way? Would they come to know and believe not only Christian truth, but would they come to know and believe in Jesus Christ, that he is their hope, that he alone saves them, that he is with them always. There's never a moment when they will be by themselves. And whether in this life or even into the next, Jesus Christ is ours, and we are his. I pray for others this morning on our prayer list who also need that comfort. We pray for Jonas Chop. We pray for healing for him as he recovers from his gallbladder removal surgery. We pray for your comfort for Anne Hansen and her family as they continue to mourn the passing of her mother. Lord, those are not easy things. And missing those who were close to us goes on for many, many years. And we pray for comfort for her and her family. We pray for Carolyn Como as she recovers from her fall, Lord. We also pray for your blessing on her in her impending move, Lord. We pray that you would be with her and that you would make all of those arrangements go very smoothly. We rejoice with our brother Steve Platt. Lord, we have prayed for him over many Sundays that his heartbeat, heartbeat would return to normal. And Lord, you have blessed that and we rejoice with him today that you are a God who hears and answers these prayers. We pray for Sarah Sanchez. We're thankful that she is feeling some better and we pray that she would continue to recover. Lord, and we rejoice with her for all the care that she has received, the cards, the letters, the meals, the offers for help. Lord, it is good to belong to the family of God. We pray for Kennedy Thornton. Lord, we are thankful that she is doing better. We ask for complete recovery for her. We also pray for Dan Corhorn. Lord, we are disappointed his treatments could not proceed as originally scheduled. Lord, we ask for comfort not only for him, but for his wife and his daughters and Jim and Mary as well. Give them your peace, Lord. This man belongs to you. We pray for Karen and others who continue to struggle with the long-term effects of COVID. We pray for all those who have lifelong diseases and ailments. We pray for relief from pain. We pray for courage to face a new day. We pray for your strength and a sense of hope. And we also pray for the nation of Haiti and for Zach Francois and other math workers. Lord, we pray for peace for that nation a nation that many of us have visited, a place where we have many connections, and yet a place in which there is so much hopelessness and violence. We pray through the witness and the care of your people that that nation 
would find a new era of peace. And instead of heartache and opposition, instead there would be joy and freedom, not only politically, but Lord, would you bring a great revival there in that nation. And then finally, as I've noted, Lord, we pray this morning for those, perhaps some of us who are here this morning who feel almost hopeless for whom the future does not look bright at all. In fact, it only looks like more the same. Maybe we're struggling with those feelings of self-harm or even suicide this morning. Maybe we've struggled with those thoughts in the past. Father, you are a God who knows us to the very core of our being. And we pray instead of that darkness, you would bring us light. Instead of despair, there would be hope. And that you would use others in our lives. Give us, the, give us the ability to be open with those who are close with us about what we're struggling through. Give wisdom to those who are nearest to help. And ultimately we pray for your help, Lord. And if there are things in our lives that have brought us to this point of despair, maybe it's great harm that has been done to us. We pray that justice would also be there. Maybe it's our own sin that has brought us to this point. Maybe it's some ailment. Lord, whatever it is, you know these things as well. And we look to you for our help. There is no greater helper. Jesus said he is a friend to the friendless, a helper to those who need it. And Lord, we look to you for that help, both in every aspect of life, but especially here. Thank you for your tenderness and your kindness, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. And as we come to your word, we want to ask for your help there as well. I need your help to explain it in a way that is understandable and true. And each one of us that you've brought here this morning, Lord, we need your help to hear it as well. Some truths are easy and we rejoice in them. Other truths are more difficult because they confront us in those places that are sensitive and difficult. And in whatever way you choose to use your word this morning... We pray that you would use us, use it to draw us to Christ and to transform us, that we might become more Christ-like. Lord, that is our prayer as we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. This morning is the second sermon that I said I'd be preaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This morning, just a few verses, verses 21 through 26. If you were here last Sunday morning... I began this short series of only three sermons by saying the basic truth of this portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that if you belong to Christ, you will belong to the church. The two go together. Not to say it is impossible to be saved apart from the church, but ordinarily, as the church fathers confessed, one who would have God as his father must have church as his mother. Now that means, of course, that there are not only truths that we must hold, but as I said last Sunday, this is a good truth. It is, in fact, a really helpful truth. It is something that is, shows God's care for us. And last Sunday, I noted one of the ways in which God's care is shown for us through the church. This morning, I want to note a second one. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 21 through 26, hear the word of our gracious God. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the word of God. I want you to pretend something with me this morning as I begin. I think for most of us, the situation I describe now is something that may be something that requires your imagination. Perhaps for others it is not. I want to imagine that in this past week you were released from prison. And this was not the first time that you were released from prison. You've been in prison a number of times. This is only the last time that you were released. And because of your frequent in and out of prison, your family has decided you are no longer trustworthy, which is perfectly understandable. And when you were released, they said to you, we're not really interested in knowing where you are. Beside the fact you were released to the community where you had friends, but these are the friends that helped you get into prison in the first time, uh, in the first place, so you had no interest in going back to them. You want a fresh start. So what do you do? You have nowhere to go. Most likely you would go to a homeless shelter. Only in this particular story, which is not purely imaginary, there were so many bed bugs at the shelter that this man, my friend that I'm referring to, ended up in the hospital from the bites being treated with antibiotics. After he was released from the hospital, he did not want to return to the homeless shelter, so he began sleeping on a park bench in the wintertime under sleeping bags. Obviously, that is not a long-term solution to your life. (laughs) That is no future. So let me ask you this morning, what would you do? If this is you, what would you do? Where would you go? What would be your option? You cannot go to your family. You cannot go to your friends. The homeless shelter, which is considered for many the last place, sort of the last resorts, where would you go? In the case of my friend, he ended up at a small church in a small community, knocked on the door. The pastor happened to be there, and he said, I have nowhere else to go I am a believer in Christ. Can you help me? On Labor Day, this man was married to a woman who is a believer in the Lord. He has a good job and a place to live. And if he were here this morning, I hope someday he will be here, he would say to you, the reason that I am as I am is because of God's grace poured out in the church of Jesus Christ. Or let me put it this way, this really summarizes the verses I read from 1 Corinthians 12. One of the reasons that Paul will say, if you belong to Christ, you must belong to the church, is because Jesus cares for you through the church. That's what I really want you to think about this morning 
One of the reasons you have belonged to the church is because Jesus cares for you through the body of Christ. Literally, your family may abandon you. Society may say there is no place for you. But Jesus cares for you through the church. There are three things I want to say about that this morning. The first is the longest, and it's the most important. It comes from verses 21 through the beginning of 24. And it is that Jesus cares for us through the church in a complementary fashion. That's the first thing I want you to hear, through a complementary fashion. I don't mean that we simply compliment each other. You look good this morning. You got a haircut, new glasses. You look really well put together. Those are nice things to say to each other. But by complimentary, I don't mean that. I mean it is that God in his wisdom has so knit this body together that we have the ability to care for each other. That's what he means. Let me note again from verses 21 and following how he says that. He says, hey, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, he says every part is designed by God to fit together so that every part needs the other parts that are there. In fact, he says, here's an example. The parts that seem dispensable are not dispensable. They're indispensable. The parts that are less honorable, we actually give greater honor to. Or to put it this way, as I noted last Sunday, there are no extra parts in the church. All of us are called within the body to be part of the body, not simply to receive, but in order that we might care for those who are around us. Now that might not seem like a revolutionary truth, but I simply want to note something to you. This is not how most of humanity functions. (laughs) Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've been in a business culture Maybe, in fact, you're a salesman, and your job is to make sure you meet your quarterly marks for sales. You're getting close to the end of the quarter, and you need to make sales in order to meet your mark. Who are you likely to go visit? The company that buys just a few thousand dollars every year, or you're likely to go to the company that spends hundreds of thousands of dollars with you. Who are you more likely to wine and dine? The guy who really can't do much about you meeting your quarterly marks. Or the company that if you wine and dine might place that big order and you're going to meet your mark. You are obviously going to be attracted to the person who has no more, more power and ability to do what you need from them. Can I just state an obvious truth, and that is in humanity, many of our relationships are built on a quid quo pro relationship. That is, you do something for me, and I'll do something in return. That's not necessarily bad. In fact, if you've been to law school and you've had contracts class, that's the basics of contracts. Something given for something exchanged. But within the church of Jesus Christ, Paul says... There is a different principle in order. And that is not we're caring for each other because we're going to receive something from someone else at a certain point. I'm not giving to you because I want something from you. No, within the church of Jesus Christ, we've been placed here from the greatest to the one that we would consider the least, the most honorable to the least honorable, the most desirable to the least desirable. We have been placed within the church of Jesus Christ by God's divine plan in an order to care for each other. 
I could literally go through in my mind many examples of observing this in play. The interesting thing about these examples is that many of them would not be, they wouldn't be appropriate to mention. Because to do so would actually in some way be dishonoring to those who are involved. But I think it is good to simply note to you that you feel, if you've come here this morning and you feel like, I'm the least, I'm not an honorable person, I'm not great, I'm not powerful, I don't give a lot, I don't know why it is that God has placed me within the church. I want to say two things to you this morning. First, we exist as a church to honor you, to care for you, to provide for you. You are not an extra member. You're not somebody on the side. You're not somebody who sort of we tolerate and we're sort of glad you show up, but it really doesn't matter that much. No, this morning I say to you, based with the, on the word of God and with the voice of Christ, even if you say, I'm not very honorable in the church of Jesus Christ, we honor you. We do. Because you belong to Jesus. And if Jesus lay down his life for you, my brother or sister, there is absolutely no way that we would ever pass by you and say, well, you're just not very important. You're not to be honored and cared for. You're simply disposable. The other thing I would say to you this morning is that you not only are in the church to be cared for, but also to care for others. Do you realize that even though you might think to yourself, I have very little to offer, that's never true? I've noted to you in the past, my dear grandmother, who at 96 years of age was deaf and blind. Her memory was very short. But my dear grandmother, when I would go to visit her, she would say, I don't know why I'm even here. Why am I here? I have nothing to offer to people. I'm sort of just occupying space until the time that I die. Why would I be here? Do you know my grandmother, who felt like she had nothing to offer, had worlds to offer? I think I repeated to her the words of James at least half a dozen times. James says, you know what James says? James says the powerful, effective prayer of the righteous man does what? What? Avails much. It does something. It is not nothing. It's not little. It's not just something on the side. If you have the ability to even pray for someone and that's all you have, let alone all the upper opportunities to serve, if all you can do is bow your head and pray for others within the body of Christ You are indispensable. You are not excess. You're critical. There's a very clear reason, I think, why Paul emphasizes this so clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That within the church we're called to care for each other. And we do so in a complementary fashion. God has knit together the gifts and the ability of the church in order that we can provide for each other. There's a reason why Paul emphasizes that in this passage, and I want to emphasize it as well. It comes not solely in this passage, but it captures a great truth of the Bible. One of the key 
One of the key things to understand about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it comes motivated by the love and mercy of our God. To really understand the gospel is to say we do not deserve it. We have not earned it. There's nothing that we have done that the Lord would look at you and say, well, you're good-looking, well put together, wonderful person. I'm going to save you. Nor the Lord, no, the Lord looks upon us, seeing us as we truly are, as sinners who would run far from him, those who have hard hearts often, those who want their own, who are selfish. And the Lord looks at you and says, I'm going to save you because I'm a merciful God. I will change your hearts. That mercy of God is meant to be not only spoken from this pulpit week after week after week after week, that mercy is also meant to be illustrated in the life of this body. It is, tangibly. To the point that sometimes when you wonder, does God really love me? Does he really care for me? Does he have a mercy for me? You can look at the way in which the church cares for those who are in need and say, yes, I can see it. It's there. To quote one apologist who spoke maybe 15 years ago, he said, in a cruel world, the greatest apologetic that the church can give the world is the words of Jesus when he said, look at how much they love each other. That has always been the testimony of the church from the earliest times. In a cruel and brutal world, we are called to be living examples of the mercy of God. My wife isn't here this morning. She wasn't able to come if she would. She'd be able to tell you this story this past week. My wife and I were at an ice cream shop sitting there in chairs. This old man wandered by. 82 years old, I came to learn later. There was an extra chair next to us, and we looked friendly, so we sat down, and for the next half hour, he gave us his life story. Do you know where his life story concluded? He said, I've lived in this place, Cascade, for 82 years. Cascade has changed tremendously. He could tell us where the gravel pit was, where the old filling station was where the mom and pop grocery store was but he says the greatest change that i've seen in this city is not where businesses are located but in the cruelty of the people if that's true in grand rapids michigan where people smile a lot and they don't really try to break into your home very often If that's true in Grand Rapids, Michigan, imagine what life is like for people in so many other places where there's so much cruelty. What does the Bible say to us? It says to us we belong to the church because it's the place where the mercy of Jesus Christ is not only spoken, it is lived And we can see the complementary fashion in which that mercy is lived out. I rejoice. I can't tell you how much I rejoice being the pastor of a church where I see that happen. It's not true in everywhere. I know you might be one of those who thinks, I could really use that mercy and I've been neglected. If that's true, I'd love to know that. Our deacons would love to know that. 
But I can see illustrations of that kind of kindness and mercy over and over and over and over again. Praise the Lord. It's beautiful. It says to me that the Spirit of Christ is here. And that is nothing to pass by quickly. No, it's something to rejoice. I'm going to leave this portion of my sermon, the first and the longest portion, by reading to you about the mercy of God from Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 4 through 6. You might think, I have no idea how this explains the mercy of God. But listen, God speaking to the Israelites says, And as for your birth and the day that you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No, I pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out in the open field. You were abhorred on the day that you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, live! And I said to you in your blood, I will make you live. That is the most graphic description of the mercy of God for the Old Testament saints that I find in the Old Testament. And here's the thing, the mercy of God for the saints in the New Testament is even greater. Is it not? And that is why you ought to belong to the church. Because in the church we're called to care for each other in a way that no other institution in the world is capable of doing. Let me go on to number two. Not only is the care for Christ church shown to you in a complementary fashion, it also comes from God himself. That is, it is divine. Look at the end of verse 24 into verse 25. It says, but God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I simply want to point out this very simple truth, and that is the church has been established and been composed by God himself. Or if I can make it more specific, you are within the body of Christ because God has placed you here. Or if I can even be more specific, you are a member of this church because God has placed you here. I know that may look like your decision. I chose to be a member of this church. I went to that membership class. I made the vows. And even though that may be true from your perspective, let me just lift your eyes so that you can see it wasn't simply your choice that brought you here. This was God who brought you here. If this is his world and his control, we are not only his workmanship individually, this body is his workmanship as well. Let me just encourage you to think about that truth in regard to a very important question. And the question is, should I always be connected to a church or to a particular church, to this church? It's a rather sensitive question. In fact, I've reflected a lot on that over the last four years. I've never been in a place in the world where people move churches so much. From one place to the next. Change a church like you change your shirt or your gym membership. (laughs) Now, that's not to say there aren't legitimate reasons to move from one church to the next. Some of them are obvious. You get a job in California or in New York City, you're not going to remain at a member of a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. 
And there are times where the church that you may be attending has serious theological error or moral error that is not being corrected. In fact, let me go further. If there is ever great moral error or doctrinal error in this church, not only should you leave, I will be leading the charge. We should leave. But to leave a church should not be easy. It should bother you. It should feel a bit like losing a finger. It should hurt that much. Why? Because in the church, we care for each other in a way that demonstrates a commitment. We want to love each other. Not just when we show up on Sunday and we worship together. We want to love each other with a love that goes beyond a moment of worship to being involved in each other's lives so we can disciple each other to growth. You cannot grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ without two key components, without the Word of God and the church of Jesus Christ. And this church of Jesus Christ that Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 12 is composed in places and times by God's divine choice. And in order for a church to care well for the members around, for those who are around you this morning, you need to have a commitment to each other. Just like if you have a friend, sometimes you have to have that conversation where you say, I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? Are we still friends? Or maybe you're in that tender moment where you're dating now. And you have that dreaded define the relationship conversation. How many of you remember that? Because you're judging commitments. You need to know, are we going to belong together? I want to care for you. I want to love you. But are we going to do that together? The church is the same way. If I can be rather bold, outside of bad theology and unrepentant sinful morality... I think there's nothing that hurts the ministry of the church more than the easy leaving we often experience in the church. It leaves scars that are long-term. The third thing I want to point out to you about the care we give to each other in the church comes from the last verse. It is complimentary, it is divine, but it also is genuine. Look at verse 26. It says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Maybe you read that verse and you think, well, that's a very obvious. Apostle Paul, of course, if we're all joined together, if you've got a finger and you hurt it, the whole body hurts. I get it. So what are you emphasizing here? What Paul is emphasizing in verse 26, and this is the third and last thing I want you to remember about this passage is that it is not merely theoretical, but when there's joy that happens in the body, we actually rejoice together. When there is pain that happens in the body, we actually suffer together. It's pretty easy to hold abstract theological truths in common if we never feel like they affect us. This is not one of those truths. If you've ever been in my office, maybe you've been there, and you sat on the couch and noticed that there is a giant box of tissues on the table in front of you. <laughs> I guess there's two possibilities why that might exist. One may be that I make people cry. <laughs> the other is that often when we talk together, there are very serious and difficult things going on in life, and we're suffering together. 
I cannot exercise good pastoral care without, in a certain sense, suffering along with you. Do you realize that? It isn't that we just talk it through and try to seek a solution. Much of the ministry of the church is simply suffering through things that do not have an easy solution. It's true. If you've got a long-term cancer diagnosis, you can come to my office. I have no magic wand to wave over you and say, cancer be gone. It's going to be gone. You know what we're going to do? We're going to pray about it. We're going to read the scriptures together. We're going to lament and we're going to suffer together. That's what we're going to do. And Paul says at the end of the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, we do bear each other's burdens in that regard. And you know how much better that is than bearing it alone? It is not healthy within church to simply say, I'm fine all the time. Sometimes that's an appropriate answer. You're just passing by. How are you? I'm fine. But if our relationship with each other never goes past the fine stage to the how are we actually doing, how can we rejoice and suffer together, something is fundamentally wrong. And I say that based on the word of God that says if one member suffers, who suffers? We all suffer together. If one member rejoices, we all rejoice together. If I can just put it this way, you can judge the health of a church in one respect by how much suffering as well as rejoicing we do together. If we cannot suffer and we cannot rejoice, it probably means that as a body we are not well knit together. Friends, I've noted before and I want to note again as I close the sermon. I am incredibly honored to be a member of this church. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a little something I wouldn't have always said, and maybe it's just a secret between me and 300 of my closest friends this morning. (laughs) There have been times in the past when I've been part of churches where I would have never encouraged people to come. Is that an awful truth? And the reason was not because there wasn't good theology. It wasn't because we didn't sing the right songs. It wasn't because our book of church order was wrong. (laughs) It was because I had little confidence in our ability to care for each other within the church of Jesus Christ. And that's why I tell you, even if I was not the pastor here, If for some reason I could no longer be the pastor, I'd still be a member here. (laughs) Maybe you think that's weird. Of course you would. I mean, here you are. Nope, I still would be. Because along with firm conviction about the truth of God, praise the Lord, and a desire to administer the sacraments well, to hold each other accountable, what I have experienced in this church over and over is our willingness to care for each other in a way that demonstrates the mercy of Christ. Why should you belong to the church? Because the church is the place where Jesus cares for you. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we want what your word says to be true. I'm very conscious as I've spoken these words that not everyone has had the same experience within the church. Frankly, Lord, I haven't either. 
But we are counting on your grace, really the divine lordship of our Savior Jesus, the one who's ruling from the right hand of the Father at this moment, the one that we are exalting and lifting high, the one for whom all of history is leading to his enthronement. This Jesus with his power has said in his word this morning that the church is the place where he cares for us. And we rejoice where we see that to be true. We mourn where it is not. And we pray that within our body where it is not the case that you would bring us to deep repentance and show us how that might be different. Lord, we praise you for your word. Now we pray for your spirit who has given us these words to now work these truths deep within our hearts to change us and mold us to follow after our Savior. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Would you join me in singing?
Before I pronounce benediction, um, just a quick reminder uh, that kids who will be singing in Sunday school should make their way up here. If you're an adult, we'd love it if you would be able to, to make your way back to the fellowship hall and enjoy some coffee and cookies. They're getting those ready right now. But look up now with the eyes of faith and receive this blessing from your God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.